Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're diving right back into the little letter of Jude. Uh, just as some background on Jude, we'll cover in a moment, but he is the half-brother of Jesus. He comes from Mary and Joseph in their union together as Jesus was born of God. Uh, as he was placed inside the womb of Mary from the Holy Spirit. So we find that the uh, flesh and blood earth children that, that come from Mary and Joseph being a James, as the letter of James that we had already studied, as well as Jude, which when you look at his name in Hebrew, his name is not Jude, it is Judah. And of course, if we look into the ranking of the apostles, you will find him there, as well as James. You have James the Great and James the Less, as well as Judas, and then Judas Iscariot, of course, who was the betrayer of Jesus. So this Judas would be recognized as the the good Judas, if we say that, that would be the brother of Jesus. So with that background information, let's turn to the Lord in prayer, asking for his blessings, then we'll understand a little bit better where he's coming from in, in his letter. Father, we are grateful for everything you have done for us. We're grateful for everything you are doing. We pray that you open our hearts, open our eyes, give us understanding and and wisdom from this book so that we will be a diligent people taking care of each other, that we would be a diligent people taking care of our own heart before the Lord as trusting in the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to lead us and to not be carried away by these certain uh, types of people who sneak in to the faith unaware uh, with us being unaware and, and, Lord, seek to divide and, and to conquer us. We just ask that you'll give us the ability to receive this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right, guys, here we are. Uh, this verse number four of Jude is where we begin moving forward to how far we can get. But remember what the scripture says from Tuesday, that certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. A very important point that Jude is making here is about those certain men. Now, you can be certain of one fact, and that's Jude is going to take this a little more personal than a lot of the other guys might. Just like you, you find in James, in the letter of James to those tribes that are scattered abroad, he, he would write very pointedly about the, their own character, about their own heart as not being a double-minded person, as being recognized as a bond servant, just like you find that J Jude starts his letter off, a bond servant to Christ. And as I, as I explained in the book of James, as well as I will explain in the book of Jude, that unless you have that heart of the bond servant, none of this is really going to make any difference to you, because unless you are uh, surrendered to Christ, unless you, you have that bondservant heart that is wholly given unto the Lord, that, that you truly desire to serve Him, that you really mean 
to to live by his word and be obedient to him then then these certain people who creep in will indeed come into your life unnoticed these these certain teachings these certain things like you'll find in in revelation chapter 2 and 3 like the doctrine of balaam uh, the, the 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 doctrine of the Nicolaitans, the 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 ways of Jezebel, the, these different things that the churches. By the way, this wasn't lost people that were battling through these difficulties. These were the letters that were sent to the churches in Revelation, which means that they are they are things that were affecting and affecting the children of God, the the people who were saved. So we, we understand that these certain people, as revealed in verse number four of Jude, who, who come in, they're able to come in unnoticed when your heart is, is not literally driven into the things of God. When, when you are prepared to be deceived, you will be deceived. Uh, people often say, if you look for something long enough, you're guaranteed to find it, right? If you if you if you think that you have an enemy, it's guaranteed that you're going to make an enemy. Okay, if if you are thinking that people are against you, you will generate all kinds of ways and ideas that people are standing against you. I mean, this is the very nature of man at the core of his corruption. Is, is that certainly whatever his heart is to desire is what he will find to, to do or be or say or, or think. <coughs> in fact, the scripture goes to tell us that as a man thinks in his heart, we're going to see that in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, that's what he is. That's what he becomes. So is he, as the scripture would say. So, these certain men also understand that it's not just people that we're dealing with. Certain teachings that creep in unnoticed, certain desires that creep in unnoticed, certain paths of living that creep in unnoticed. And how do these things come unnoticed? How do these things creep in? How do they, how do they gain a foothold or, or have an effect over those whose desire is, is to serve the Lord? Uh, the answer is, is because of the nature of this flesh. There's no escaping the nature of this flesh and the reality behind it, the, the connections to it. So he says these certain men in verse number four creep in unnoticed, which is why, by the way, in verse number three, he, he wrote unto us to earnestly contend or struggle with fight for the, the faith which was once delivered to the saints, even though he really desired with all of his heart to simply give a dissertation of salvation, he saw that there was this people that were coming into the faith quote quote rabbit ears there people that were coming into the faith who were altering that faith who were changing things and of course this book is written well before the gospel of 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 revelation or the book of revelation i should i should say 
So this particular letter of Jude is being written before John goes forth to write the, the, the letters to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3. So you'll find that the idea of, of these certain people who crept in unnoticed, that they are spelled out in, in the letters to the churches as doctrines that, that come from people that are ungodly, plain and simple. When you, when you get down to the Council of Nicaea and the Nicene Creed that, that we are so familiar with, uh, you'll find in 325 that, that the bishops being gathered together to solidify the, the dealing of this one particular question that has been infiltrating the churches within the regions of what is modern-day Turkey is, is, is Jesus the Son of God, divine as a part of the Father and of the Spirit? Are they one in essence, yet three distinct uh, personalities? Or, or are they three separate entities? Or is the Father come to earth as the Son and, and the throne of God is empty for the time that Jesus is on earth and that at the death of Jesus he is able to return unto the throne for a moment only to then bring himself into his believers through that which is real recognized the holy spirit and so that the throne of god be empty today because god literally dwells among men in spirit in our hearts to seal us under the promise of his salvation which is a a, a oneness pentecostal belief and so that there wouldn't be three s three persons of God with with the connection of the singular essence of the Godhead, but that there would be literally three different realities of God that come in different periods of time for different purposes, and that it's complicated. But nevertheless, understand that that's one of those doctrines of those certain people who creep in unnoticed because they're speaking the name of Jesus. They're speaking the name of God. Most of these corrupt doctrines that we have coming into our lives from the very churches that we go to today are doctrines that sound pretty similar. They sound pretty close. They <coughs> they, they use the right phrases. They use the right names. They talk about the right things. They're just changed a little bit. <clears throat> and if you recall, I shared with you Tuesday, I'll share with you again. It's very important for us to keep this in mind in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. And down in verse number 14, well, let's back up to verse number 13. The scripture says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, verse 14, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Verse 15, therefore it is of no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their work. Very important to understand in verse number 13 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that it says, 
for such are false apostles. The very nature of the fact that they would reveal themselves to be apostles in the first place would show that they are of certain people, a certain type of people who are creeping in unnoticed to these churches because in making the claim that they're an apostle and using different names like Jesus and different ideas that, that are already familiar to the the churches, they would be able to come in unnoticed, but then you find that they're trying to tell the people in the churches that they have to be circumcised in order to be able to truly be saved and a part of God, or they have to they have to undergo certain ceremonies or rituals in order to be able to be settled as the son of God or a daughter in Christ. We we understand that that there were all kinds of different false teachings that were coming from these false apostles who were deceitful workers, showing themselves to be apostles of Christ and yet leading people astray unto their own wicked ends. And so these certain people creep in and they do so unnoticed. And a lot of the times that you'll find that people creep into your assemblies, that people creep into your congregations and they go unnoticed is because they, they use all the right terms. They've learned all the right terms. They just alter the teachings from those terms they understand jesus they understand the name of jesus they 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 claim to worship jesus but they will add things well you need jesus plus in order to be saved or jesus is sufficient to salvation but you can't be uh, fully saved until a second a secondary event occurs you can't have a, a hope of salvation without uh, the, the baptism taking place after your confession in Christ or even before your confession in Christ for pedo-baptist uh, people who baptize infants is for the purpose of the removal or the protection from the original sin and concept so that they they grow up and go through a confirmation but everywhere in scripture you'll find people receiving baptism was was because they became believers not because they were born and so that you understand that there there are all kinds of different beliefs all kinds of different and differing doctrines out there and and in in many ways the these drastic nature of the difference in those beliefs could bring us to this position of having to examine our own heart and consider for ourselves before God's word, not man's thoughts, not man's ways, not even man's teaching, but God's word alone to discover if those things which we believe in, not because it's the way that we were taught, not because it's the things that are even our seminaries would, would guide us through, we're just supposed to blindly follow everything that we've been told, by the way, by man. No, we've got to investigate the Word of God for what the Word of God says, how the Word of God says it, and then we need to line our personal hearts up with God's personal Word to us. And at that point, we can understand now how easy it would be as a body in Christ to be manipulated, how easy it would be for these certain men these certain 
uh, teachings, these certain ideologies and, and people to creep in unnoticed. And by the way, it's a warning to us in verse number four because he says who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, uh, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness. Now, this concept here, turning the grace of our God into lewdness, this, this issue comes from a, a lot of the prosperity gospelist who, who would, who would uh, basically make money into a mighty God who would claim that the, the, the more wealthy you are, the, the closer to God you are, and then back it up by telling you that you need to fund all of their, their lavish lifestyle. You need to send them money because they, they are the ones that ought to be the closest to God in order to reveal to you how you can become closer to God. So you've got to fund their lies and in your life so that they can become even more wealthy off the backs of you who who are believing in what they're telling you and and striving to increase them so that you can become increased when actually you're becoming decreased in your increasing of them because they're sapping all of your living out of you and and they're basically uh playing the fool right off of the back of your your hard-earned work and money. You say, well, wait, when I go to church, I, I, I give a tithe, so should I stop doing that? Because that's like prosperity gospel, right? Wrong. <laughs> that's totally different. Well, how is that different? I mean, you know, that these people are begging for money, but my local church also is begging for money. The difference between the two is that these people are prom promoting and promulgating the, this increase of wealth in order for you to have a closer connection with God. And that is an absolute lie. There's no truth in that whatsoever. In fact, you find that the poorest of men would be those closest to God throughout the whole of Scripture including Jesus, the very King of Kings himself, while on this earth and in his flesh. He, he had no home. He had no, no other clothes to wear than what was on his back, no other shoes to, to walk in but what were on his feet. He, he, he lived a, a vagabond-based life where he traveled from home to home, from, from community to community, you know, propagating the, the gospel uh, as he was leading hearts to to the father and you know this this is just not the prosperity model of truth this is this is the christ-centered model of truth and so we find that the the woman the widow woman who didn't have much of anything at all was the one at the the offering box giving everything that she had and jesus using her as an example to say all of these wealthy people putting in of their abundance what good is it done but this woman who gave everything she had will be remembered above and beyond all the rest. So prosperity gospel obviously is not something that is taught by Jesus, but in the sense that the more we're filled with the presence of God, the more we have the word of God hidden in our heart, the greater, the more prosperous we truly are. It isn't about money. It's about connection to Christ and living of faith.
But there are certain people who creep in unnoticed who teach this in a different framework that build, build their palaces and kingdoms off of your hard-earned backs. And by the way, your local church doesn't do that. And if it's trying to do that, it isn't, it isn't a true church, that's for sure. But your local church doesn't do that. The, the monies that come in through the, the offerings that we all make uh, to the church are for the purpose of keeping the building up, for the purpose of keeping the power on, for the purpose of, of, of taking care of those things that, that keep this house uh, going so that we can raise generations of our children in Christ, so that we can have a headquarters to be able to gather together from week to week to strengthen and encourage and fellowship among each other as brethren, it, that we can unite together under projects of, of being able to either unite our funds together to be a blessing like we're trying to do with this this particular image uh, mobile imaging station for the right to life unit here in in McKenzie County or where where you know we can pool our resources together to be able to take care of missionaries like like Brandon and Marcy Jones that's going to be coming uh, to see us in October here to tell us about the work that he's doing as a professor in the seminary down in Brazil I mean that there's all kinds of ways that the church utilizes the funds that are brought into it to be able to bless God's work and God's kingdom all over the world and right here in our own backyard. So this is something that was designed by God that operates the way that God has designed it to. But these other organizations that are not even connected to a local church that, that don't even claim to be a church, but that they become an evangelistic association or some other cockamamie thing that's out there that that is sapping the life out of people and and draining their bank accounts just so that they can have another jet just so that they could fly around and 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 in lavish suits and lifestyles and and say look at me i'm what you're trying to be <coughs> this is just not of god guys it's ungodly people who turn the grace of god into lewdness this this very concept and it's an embarrassment that we've allowed it to go so long in our country and in fact it's because of these certain entities these certain people these certain associations that have crept in unnoticed that we have such a division among our people today that that, that christians are so fractured today and they deny the only lord god and our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I often think about the Catholic Church in the, in the 17th century. I think about that a lot because I wonder today if, if you would have so many differing uh, Protestant-based denominations if the, the Pope at the time, being Leo X, but... Uh, even before him, if if they would have recognized that the indulgences were were those who were the certain men crept in unaware, that if if they would have recognized, if the priest would have recognized, if if more of the cardinals or the bishops, 
in this particular organized structure if they would have seen because of course we know that that Leo X didn't recognize that he was utilizing the the indulgence preachers to to go out and and raise taxes basically but he was raising money because he had this idea he's going to build this Vatican he was going to he was going to make this this place the glory of the universal church and so these indulgence preachers were out there selling indulgences and and doing all these different things and and literally robbing people of of what little that they had all over the globe but of course this is the rise that you find in one little priest there in Wittenberg Germany uh, one little monk that that would literally spark a revolution that would bring people unto the the Protestant battles the Protestant wars against the the indulgences and the the false teachings that were happening there uh, that that uh, Martin Luther would give rise to this, and that so many others then would enter into this Reformation uh, all over all over Europe and and push back so hard uh, against the the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church at that time, because they began to see these people who were creeping in everywhere and that they went unnoticed because they were lifted up and venerated by the Pope or by their local bishops or by their local uh, cardinals or priests. But the end result was is that they were deadly. They weren't teaching the, the gospel. They were teaching uh, the ways of man. They were teaching that prosperity of their time. And it didn't turn out so well. <laughs> for for this one particular church organization, did it? So Jude goes on and he says, I want to remind you, though you once knew this, this is something that we we have studied. This is something that we have learned through history and hopefully in your church that you have some, some good educators who have been teaching about the church's history as well as a lot of other things. But he says, I want to remind you, though you once knew this. So how did these people creep in unnoticed if, if you knew this? Well, the answer is, is that we, we often know a lot of things, but we only pay attention to certain things as they benefit us. That's why. He says that I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who didn't believe. It's uh, absolutely true. You've got the issue where you've come across the Red Sea. You've come to this place in the wilderness. Moses goes up on the mountainside. He's gone 40 days, uh, 40 nights. Needless to say that the people that are being led on back in the base camp by people like Korah and Dathan, uh, they, they began to cause an uprising and then had that golden calf created. Of course, G Moses comes down off the hillside with the word of God literally written by the finger of God in the tablets of stone that he's carrying. He sees this, this idiocy happening. He raises the tablets. He throws them to the ground, breaking them in symbolic nature to the fact that the people couldn't even keep it together for... 40 days that, that they go right back to the ways of Egypt when, when they had been so gloriously delivered by the power of God and so that they would break God's word. Then he said, those who are on the Lord's side, come over here and those who are not, stay exactly where you are, basically. 
and the ground opened up and swallowed them so that they were destroyed. And then he reveals about the angels in verse number 6. The angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode. Uh, Those would be recognized in Revelation chapter number 12 and verses 7 to 9 where you would see that the the tail of Satan uh, wrapped around a third part of the angels to uh, initiate that war that would happen in heaven and they were cast down to the earth as they had lost it says the angels who did not keep their proper domain. In other words, they, they didn't obey. They didn't do what was, they were created to do and proper. But left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah. Of course, now in verse number 7, he's, he's painting this picture of the different types of, of judgments that were already levied against mankind because they, they had altered their ways from the ways of God. He says, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in similar manner to the angels who had left their estate, having been cast down into hell, reserved in chains under darkness, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh. The interesting point of the strange flesh. You know what? Let's let's look at that real quick. Just just as a point. <coughs> let's do a little bit of study here. Okay, so the, the connections by these two points is the carnal flesh. So what this phrase is recognizing is the sin of sodomy, which sodomy is ultimately coming from the root of Sodom, which was the issue between Sodom and Gomorrah as they gave up the natural affection for what God had created for a man to desire a woman and for a woman to desire a man, and so that they had uh, given themselves over to the, to an immorality, connecting themselves to the strange flesh as men desiring men at this point and women desiring women. So this was the issue of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, one of the primary issues, but it was the rage and violence that comes from that particular uh lifestyle a very violent connection to this lifestyle that that would lead them to uh, desiring to assault those angels that came in under lot's roof and ultimately desiring to destroy lot that caused their destruction to come upon themselves and so it's called sodomy but of course we understand that that word is the root comes from the very cities and and areas that burn under the weight of that particular crime before God as Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says, these are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Then we see in verse number eight, likewise, also these dreamers. Yeah, it's interesting that we call them dreamers as as to the concept that what as a man thinks in his heart. Again, we, we, we come back to the proverb on this, that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is before God. But there's some other places in scriptures as concerning this concept of, of dreamers. 
so as the concept is is born in in the idea of these dreamers that defile the flesh reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries it is found within their dreams and and as we understand that the concept of dreams is man thinks in his heart let's take a look at that in jeremiah chapter number 27 the scripture would say in verse number nine uh, therefore do not listen to your prophets your diviners your dreamers your soothsayers or your sorcerers who speak to you saying you shall not serve the king of Babylon. Well, this is very important as to understand that a lot of people were false prophets during that time of, of Jeremiah uh, because they thought that they were doing okay as concerning the position of Ezekiel. If you remember the warning of Ezekiel that takes place uh, decades before the actual overthrow would take place of Babylon, that, that Ezekiel would be warning them of, of the danger, of the destruction that is to come. And the people would say, no, that, that's not going to happen. We're not worried about that. There's, there's no worries about this. And the dreamers are those that, that are receiving visions in the night. And, and it's like uh, people who are, jump in the pulpit and say, I received a vision of the Lord in a dream last night, and then go forth to be able to explain this, this dream, uh, but that it has no connotation or connection with the Word of God at all. It's just uh, something external from the truth of God's Word, and whatever this person has dreamed up, literally, uh, and, and by the way, uh, no offense intended, of course, but there are several different uh, whole denominations of rather Christian teaching or denominations external from Christianity that, that were born from dreamers. Uh, for instance, the Seventh-day Adventist movement, when you get down to the root of how it began as coming from Ellen G. White and essentially coming from dreams of believing that the 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 time of of the millennial reign has already come that it was a spiritual kingdom that was received in a dream remember that that the the whole mormon faith from joseph smith is built upon dreams literally that he would receive visions in the night and that he would meet with this angel moroni rather he was awake or asleep he doesn't know in the body or not he doesn't know he gets these enormous golden <clears throat> booklets and he's, he's running through the forest and in the dead of night with demons grabbing at him and what have you and he, he's he's studying these things by by sticking his head in a hat and 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 re reciting the the umen and the thuman which which is things that that are of israel and things that were indeed artifacts of of Israel during the times of the of the tabernacle and even of the temple but here somehow he's achieved them and and he's he's literally building this entire book of mormon and all of these things out of a hat i mean out of literally with a veil with somebody on the other side just writing whatever ramblings that he's speaking and that is how you get whole uh, millions wide faith group of people and Mormons and and likewise for for Jehovah's Witnesses I mean all of these different 
faiths, all these different cults are born from dreamers. And that's what that's what the warning. How do they creep in unawares when we who who hold and adhere to the word of God should be able to recognize the false from the real because of our study of the word of God? How do these people sneak in? How do they creep in unaware? Because they're smart like the devil and they make it seem so good. They make it seem so right. They make it sound so true. And they slide right in. Likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel. Now, Michael, the, the boss man, you'll find Michael working with Gabriel in those messages and deliverance to uh, Daniel. And Michael has a lot of different things that he does throughout the scriptures. He says, Yet Michael the archangel in contending with the devil... When he disputed, Michael disputed uh, with the devil about the body of Moses, dared not bring an a against him a reviling accusation, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, back off, buddy. <laughs> That's that simple. Uh, and, and, you know, oftentimes you'll find that the more complicated that we make the faith, the more complicated that we make the, the Word of God or the doctrines in Christ, the more complicated that we make things, the more error we're going to find. The more, the more error it's going to be brought in. Because our faith is not a complicated faith. Our faith is actually quite simple. And when you begin to have all of these professors with all of their high knowledge and great degrees sitting around in, in, in college or seminary classrooms arguing over uh, a lot of these side teachings, a lot of these side doctrines and things that they would begin to take the, the, the side things or the, when they begin to major on the minors, they begin to alter the majors is what happens. And, the, and it, you know, to the point that we would have the book of Revelation, but that most people are afraid to study the book of Revelation because by the time they come out of seminary, they don't know if they're premillennial, if they're they're postmillennial, if they're amillennial, if, if there is a millennial. Uh, they, they, they don't know if the, the rapture is going to happen at all or if the rapture is going to happen before the thing or if the rapture is going to happen in the middle of the thing or if the rapture is going to happen at the end of the thing. They, they don't know if it's, if it's you know, the, the, the church is inside of it or if, if it's this or if it's that or if it's the other. And they, they, they argue over these things. They, they, they're just constantly fighting with each other in different seminaries and different beliefs and different denominations are constantly going, just read the book. It testifies of itself, connected to its prophecies that it reveals through through Zechariah and through Malachi and through Daniel and through through Jeremiah and Isaiah and all of the, the prophecies that it, it speaks of. Just read the book. Understand who Israel is. Understand who the church is. Understand what the kingdom of heaven is in the millennial reign of Christ because it's written that for a thousand years Christ will rule and reign on this earth. It, it's not rocket science. These things aren't difficult. We just make them difficult because we want them to be difficult. And the more difficult we make them to be, the easier it is for us to succumb to those who would creep in fully unnoticed and devastate 
our belief in the Lord completely alter the teachings of Christ? You see, I believe that in, in its beginning stages, even of the Roman Catholic Church, I believe that they, there would be the solidarity of the teaching of Jesus even in that moment. Because even in the Council of Nicaea, in the Nicene Creed, you, you, you have well before you have this first Council of Trent, and during that period of time, you've got these bishops that like Nicholas over there in Smyrna, you've got these bishops who who were taking a firm stand on the the functional truths of God's word, and that they were every bit as true to to the very teachings of the apostles because they're not that far removed from the apostles. But of course, if you if you would bring the bishops of three the three hundreds A.D., you would bring those bishops back to our modern day. That they wouldn't even know what this entity known as the Catholic Church today. They wouldn't even know what this entity was because of how many intrusive doctrines that have come into the belief systems of a people that indeed had crept in fully with the people being unaware just simply told this is what you're going to believe and this is what you're now going to follow because this is the man who is next to God telling you that you're going to do this and and the sheeple just saying okay we're going to do it we whatever you say boss and that's the destruction that you'll find but these speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally like brute beast in these things they corrupt themselves and so we will start over again uh tomorrow yeah tomorrow's friday so we will start tomorrow in verse number 10 and seek to finish out this book as concerning the things that we do not know become the things that are evil and the things that we do desire become the things that we believe that's exactly what verse 10 is telling us. And we'll get into that more tomorrow. So you definitely want to tune in just to be able to finish off this book and understand that we are called by our Lord Jesus Christ to contend for the faith. And what that means is, is that we're called to study, study the Word of God so that we may know what is true and to be vigilant to fight for the truth within our own congregations and assemblies, wherever denomination we're connected to, that we fight for the truth within that denomination to be able to cause people to realize potentially how far away from the truth that our particular congregations have gone. Are we brave enough to try and be faithful to the Lord? Father, we ask that blessing. We pray that you would give us wisdom in this moment, that you would give us understanding in these truths, that we may stand for them and that we may live by them and be faithful, simply faithful unto thee. We'll thank you and praise you for how you work in us, with us, and through us today. In the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you, keep you, and cause his face to shine upon you. And I shall see you guys tomorrow for hopefully the conclusion of the book of Jude. And an exciting conclusion it shall be. Take care. <laughs>